you have your whole life to go back to that early morning routine. Once your kids are a little older, she's like, just make a change for the season. And I was like, wow, you are so wise. Like it, we just, we have to be malleable. We have to be willing to pivot, but we also have to take care of ourselves. So it's finding that balance of being gentle, but pushing people where they need to be pushed. Motherhood is beautiful yet challenging. You may be feeling lost in motherhood, but I'm here to tell you that no matter what season of motherhood you find yourself in, every mom has a unique journey that is worth experiencing. So if you are a mom feeling overwhelmed, are struggling with mom guilt, want to be more confident and are looking for ways to find you again, know that you are not alone. Every mom will come away with connection, knowledge, and tangible tools to integrate into her own motherhood experience. You deserve to be confident in motherhood with all of your experiences that make you who you are. So let's get started on being real, vulnerable, and step into community with each other. This is Experience Motherhood. Hi, and welcome to Experience Motherhood. I am so glad that you all are here today. We are in for a special treat. We have Sarah Patterson here, and she is going to share just a little bit about herself. So Sarah, hi. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me on to share my story. Um, Like you said, my name is Sarah. I'm a mom of two boys. So my oldest is almost five and my little one just turned two. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a dog mom too. We have two big rescue dogs. So a busy wild household. I live in the Chicago suburbs with my family. um, And I feel like it's only natural to also talk about like if there's work involved, right? So that's my personal life. Um, Career-wise, this is my first year not as a teacher. And so I am right now in the process of just a very big transition. It's been a very wild year of, I feel like in a lot of ways, I upheaved my life to do something that felt more aligned with my family and myself. And so um, now I work, I work part-time freelance work from home for the most part. I, I do behind the scenes support for small businesses. So that's everything from working as a virtual assistant, content support and writing. I'm a fitness instructor as well. And then I recently started working one-on-one with moms in the fitness realm, supporting pre and postnatal fitness journeys in other women. Wow. That does sound like a really big transition. <laughs> um, and yes, one reason, a little messy. yeah, one reason I really <laughs> did want to invite you on is is I think that you have a really interesting story, the little bit that I do know, but I want to learn more of, you know, when you, we transition as women into motherhood, that is such a huge change, right? We take on a completely different identity and add that identity on to who, who we already were. I would love to just hear more of what was that like for you, whether it was going from no kids to one kid or one kid to two kid, or if there was even a difference. Sure. That's such a good question. I love hearing people's journeys into motherhood as well. So for starters, I was not a woman who always knew she wanted to have kids. There was actually a period in college and in my early twenties, I was like, I don't know. I like my life the way it is. I'm very particular. I like to have control over things. And I knew from watching family members, that kids, all control goes out the window. Um, and Once my husband and I settled down in our twenties, it was like, okay, we do want to have kids. We want to start a family. 
And so when I was pregnant with my first son about five years ago, I actually had a ton of fear around motherhood throughout that entire pregnancy. I remember reaching out to friends of mine who were already a few steps ahead and had had babies looking for validation and comfort, any words of wisdom, because I was so scared of becoming a mom. And I was like, it was happening. It was imminent. I was, I was pregnant. Um, and this lasted up until honestly, the very last day. And I think my biggest fear was looking back. I was scared of not liking it. I was scared of being bad at it, which I would imagine if any of your listeners fall into a perfectionist category, it's like this thing that I've never done before. And there's really no training for what if I'm not good at it? You know, what if I yell at my kids all day, every day, you can't undo motherhood. And so I had a lot of fear. What's funny is when my first son was born, it just like disappeared. The fear never came to fruition. I loved being a mom. I went all in on being a mom and I had a really great experience. I didn't have birth complications or anything. I was fortunate enough with that. I had support from my family. So those ducks were in a row and I had a really great experience becoming a mother. And I was a working mom, so I was working full-time. So I, it was a balancing act. There were days where it was really hard, but overall I loved being a working mom. I loved being a boy mom. He was energetic and um, you know we were both really physical. We'd go outside all the time. I had summers off as a teacher. It was just such a fun stage of my life to just have one kid to focus on. And I didn't really feel like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. Then I got pregnant with our second right around when my oldest was two. And I had no fear during pregnancy. <laughs> I was like, I got this. I've done this. This is so fun. I didn't know we were having, I thought it might be a boy. Um, I just always felt a, like an, a boy mom energy about myself. And when my second son came, it was so hard. It was so, so hard. And I even remember his birth was so different. He came really fast and it was almost like I wasn't ready. I was like, wait, I just need a little more time before I now have to take care of two. And, um, I just even, I remember the moment they laid him on my chest. It just felt different. I don't even, I, it's hard to put words to it. So my expectations that I had again, kind of went out the window, but in the reverse almost. And those first several weeks of having two, I really struggled and I struggled a lot because I wasn't sleeping. Um, my son didn't nurse well. And so he was hungry all the time. He was so hungry and screaming that his pediatrician told me he had colic, Ugh. which he didn't. He was just hungry. Oh. <laughs> um, so I, I worked with a lactation consultant and around three weeks, she was like, you need to exclusively pump because he's not really taking anything in and he's so hungry all the time. Mm. So I was just really depleted. I was really tired. Um, I didn't feel that instantaneous bond with him like I did with my first. And I don't even know if I can put a reason to that because I think breastfeeding is only part of the puzzle. I, I think there are moms who never breastfeed their kids that can have absolutely incredible immediate bonds with their babies, yeah. but all the pieces together, I just found it so hard. Um, and it, it definitely was way more challenging than I expected it to be. Yeah. You've said so many so many things that I find so interesting. And I, even going back to when you first were starting to share just that idea that there are so many different ways to get into motherhood and that, you know, for you, 
you weren't that excited about being a mom and that doesn't make you a bad person at all. It just was where you were at. And there's other women who are so excited. And what's interesting to me is that I kind of fall, I fell more into the camp of, I could not wait to be a mom, but I also still had those same fears that you were saying about just that idea of like, oh my gosh, I want to be the perfect mom. I want to do all the things. And I really, for me personally, I wanted to be more a stay at home mom, even though I still loved the therapy world. I didn't really want to leave it completely, but I really wanted to be at home, but I was fearful of doing something wrong or not being enough of a mom all the time when I was home. Right. Totally. So I think it's so interesting that you brought that up of just that idea of, yeah, like some people aren't that excited about it. And then of course, that does not mean you do not love your kids. Like, of course you do. And it, you know, obviously it changes you no matter what. Um, but I just thought that was really interesting that you said that and you can't undo it. I love that, that line permanent motherhood's it. permanent. So yes, no going back. You're always a mom. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I want to talk a little bit too, like your journey with the one to two, it sounds like that was much more challenging than going from zero to one. Do you mm-hmm. think that some of it was due to kind of your own mental health space of your expectations? Do you think, you know, the breastfeeding kind of fed into it or were there other challenges you didn't mention that maybe were feeding into that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love to reflect back. Um, a lot of it feels so fuzzy and a lot of it feels so vivid. I do know that if I am not getting rest, like I know this about myself and I'm sure this is true for a lot of people. If I am not getting quality rest, whether that's sleep falls under that umbrella, but I also had a toddler who was incredibly active. So my body and my brain weren't getting the rest that they need. And I, I know that feeds into my mental space even today. So it all comes back to how did I set myself up? to get the rest that I needed. And one example of something that I went into it with one idea and plan and I had to pivot was um, my maternity leave with my second child fed into summer break as a teacher. He's born in April. So I had this vision in my mind of I'm going to do a true maternity leave and then come early June, I'm going to take my son, my older son is in daycare and I'm going to drop him down to two days a week. And all summer, I'm going to have this new baby and this crazy toddler, and I'm just going to send the toddler to daycare two days a week because every other day I can, I got this. Elizabeth, I did that for one week and I emailed the daycare director and I was like, I know this was the plan, but I need more time. I need five days a week of him in full-time daycare. Um, So I pushed it back to mid-July. I just gave myself that time and I actually, I didn't feel guilty about it, maybe in the very beginning considering it, but I also remembered I got a a full maternity leave with my first son. He got that one-on-one time with me as an itty bitty baby. Yeah. If I had the resources to give that to my second son, my older kid has a great time at daycare. I mean, I wasn't shipping him off to somewhere he was miserable. So I just gave myself that space. It helped me. I could nap during the day more. Um, I could slow down a little bit. I didn't feel like I always had to be at the park or entertaining the older one. So that was something that helped me come out the other side mentally because I was addressing more of my physical needs. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you said even too, like, 
for you, you weren't feeling guilty about doing that because you knew that's what you needed to be even the mom you could be for both of them, right? Like you wanted to have more rest so that you could play more with him when he got home from daycare. So your journey, I related a lot with the exclusively breastfeeding. I also had to do that with my first. And that is one of the most challenging things to navigate, not only for just providing nourishment for your child in that way. And that's without, you know, using formula at this point, at least for my story. But I think that's so challenging too, to even just overcome that, that idea that like my body's not doing what it's supposed to do, or he's not functioning correctly. Like, why is that? Like what happened? Did I do something when he was inside of me? You know, all those kind of questions I think can kind of bounce around. And I know for me, that was a really hard thing to do. And when my second came along and there was any possibility of that happening again, I like freaked out. Right. Because I'm like, I can't do that with another child to watch as well. So I feel you on that. And I'm sure a lot of people have also struggled with that. So that's very, very relatable. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to feed our babies in the way we envision or the way we think is right. And that is when I think back to when my first son was born, that was if I did have stress and anxiety, it was always about breastfeeding. I remember my husband saying to me, when we have a second, you're not doing this. Because you're tied to the schedule and whatever. And at least he was able to nurse. But I do think that that whole logistical dance I had to do with my second, I'm using a hospital grade pump that plugs into the wall. While now I have a baby who I'm either trying to feed a bottle with one hand, I'm reading a book to a toddler (laughs) with the other six times a day. Yes. And I, I look back, I'm like, how did I do that? And, and kind of why did I do that? Yeah. Um, if I had another child and that was the situation, I think I'd just have to say, you're yeah. just going to go with formula and you're going to be just fine. Yep. And they would be just fine. <laughs> they would be <laughs> yes. just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Do you think uh, during that transition time, there were certain like beliefs that you kind of struggled with once you became that mom of two of like who you were as a mom or your capabilities? Um, I started to really question being a working mom. Work became a big stressor and it didn't used to be. Now, of course, I was a teacher in COVID. So work in 2021 felt hard for everyone doesn't matter whether you were in corporate America or you're a therapist or a nurse or whatever. So there were a lot of factors that were at play as far as my work went, but transitioning from one to two and my time just felt so demanded. And I felt like I couldn't give anything solid to anything. Um, Mm -hmm. My older kiddo needed more support my baby, I just felt like I wanted to hold him and not lose all the time. I I remember picking him up from daycare in those early months of school and he would take a nap until five 30 and he'd wake up and he'd have a bottle and he'd go to bed. And I'm like, I just missed everything, you know? Um, and so I really started to just examine if I'm going to take this time away from my boys, is it something that's lighting me up? Is it something that I'm making an impact in the world? And my answers, unfortunately, to those two questions started to be no. And so 
that's why one of the reasons I started to just explore different career options um, is that last year? Yeah, last year. So that was that was a big aha for me was just how am I spending my time away from my kids so that when I get back to them, I'm energized and I've had a full day that made me excited um, and that I'm spending that time doing something that I love because that's something really important to me is as moms, we deserve to feel good in our work and our hobbies in our time that we spend away, it should feel good. It should, at the very least, it shouldn't feel bad. Yes. So um, <laughs> that was a big transition, a big aha moment for me. Yeah. I love that you said that. I think that's so true that if we can figure out what lights us up, right? What are, what are we doing that is impacting the world? And is it bringing us you know, is it bringing us back to life so that we can be there for our kids and have that energy? And if it's not, that's kind of a good time to ask those questions of, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's not the right direction anymore, but I know something you mentioned, um, prior to us recording this episode is that your friendship dynamics really shifted when you became a mom. Can you share a little bit what you mean by that? Sure. So when my first son was born, then like the world kind of shut down, COVID hit. So I, I don't remember <clears throat> that piece of my life as vividly, the friendship portion of my life with, when I was a mom to one, but similar to what I was just talking about with work, once I was a mom of two and my time felt so limited, like every moment was spoken for. Same thing with my energy. I started to just ignore my friendships and I didn't put the work in. I would be invited to do things and I would say no because it would be after work going out to dinner without my kids. It would be on a weekend, a girl's weekend away without my kids. And I couldn't stomach to take more time away from them, even to do things that were fun. And as a result, my, I mean, my friendships suffered. I, I lost some friendships and it was a big learning for me to reflect back on because truthfully, I probably would have felt better mentally had I had that solid piece of my life intact and had other women to lean on and to talk through the challenges of motherhood that I was experiencing. And instead, I just said, I don't have time for this. Um, and it's really sad looking back on that there are some friendships that I've been working to revive. And I do believe that there's a season for everything. Um, what I've really come to learn in the last year is that proximity is something that really helps my friendships in motherhood. So I have a core group of moms now in my neighborhood that it can be a 10 minute meet at the park in the neighborhood on a Thursday night with our kids and have that connection with someone else that fills me up and makes me feel safer and better. Um, where I, I may not have time to, you know, take the girls weekend away. I still don't want to do that all the time because I just, I like spending time with my family. So just finding what feels good for me and making it I don't want to say convenient. It's not necessarily about convenience, but making it accessible mm -hmm. and making it work for everyone involved. So yeah, that's something I've really leaned on my local village lately. And that's been really fun. Um, in the last few years, we've, we've grown really close and it's just been an incredible community to have. 
Yeah. That idea of proximity, I think is a big one too, because you're right. Different seasons in motherhood, you're going to have different demands when you've got little, little people, you know, you really can't do as much without needing to feed them or, you know, toilet training, or, I mean, there's always these things. And as they get older, there seems to be a little more autonomy, of course, for them and a little more freedom than for you to like separate without them needing you so much for the physical needs and emotional needs. But I really like your idea of just, yeah, if you don't have friendships that, you know, are going to be lasting in this season, that's okay. But where can you find just those 10 minute little meetups? I love that. I've got a couple neighbors like that too, where I feel like, yeah, even if it's just at the bus stop for 10 minutes, it's just some kind of connection and a relationship that maybe is different than, you know, taking a girl's trip away. I mean, that's a wonderful thing to do if you want to do it and you can, but you don't have to, to still feel like you've got friends and connection. Totally. And I think I also just had to come to terms with, instead of being super connected and texting with friends constantly and trying to keep up instead of like, that's what I think it felt like I was, I was trying to keep up and I just gave up. Yeah. So I think instead of, I think it's quality over quantity when it comes to the time. So I would rather see a friend from college once every month or two for a one-on-one dinner where we can really catch up and connect versus I'm trying to keep up and, and text and connect on social media with, you know, 10 people and it's just ho-hum. And so I, yeah, focusing on, on that quantity over quality is important too. Yeah. Yeah. That quality over quantity is a really big, big piece. I think you're spot on with that for sure. You know, one thing I wanted to go back to and ask you, cause I know it's something that I also have struggled with in the past is just that idea. Like you said, before you became a mom that you know, you had this idea of wanting to be the perfect mom and, and having maybe other anxious thoughts or worries of what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong. Do you feel like that's shifted after kids? And if so, how are you kind of managing it? Or how did, how do you know if you are to a point where it's like really a problem, you think? Sure. That's a great question. And you're a mental health professional. So I'd love to hear <laughs> if you <laughs> yes, yes. Am I in the right mental space. <laughs> So I think something that I went into motherhood thinking was that I was going to control everything. And as someone who, I mean, my career has been health and fitness. Like when I was a teacher, I was teaching high school PE and health. So that's always been at the forefront. And so nutrition, for example, I was like, my kids are never going to eat potato (laughs) chips and they're never going to eat candy and they're going to be blah, blah. And then I got into it. I'm like, whatever me, just eat something. take another snack out of the pantry and be quiet. (laughs) Um, and so I've surprised myself there with like, I can't control, you know, what their friends are teaching them at school. My son is in preschool and he comes home and he's like talking about all this stuff. I'm like, where'd you learn that? And it's like, (laughs) I can't control that. And thankfully in my brain, that's just been okay. I've let go of some of those things. I think right now where I am in this stage of motherhood and I think it's just because of where the world has gone. I worry about the things that are out of my control. And so I don't know, that's not very productive to a certain extent. And Mm -hmm. I recently heard Dr. Elisa Pressman on a a podcast and she said, if you're a parent in this day and age and you're not worrying about 
what's happening in the world, that's a red flag, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> right. But how do we not let it overtake our lives? There are nights that I wake up in the middle of the night and I panic that someone's going to break into our house. Like, I don't know really where that comes from. Mm -hmm. I think it's just underlying anxiety that's not being taken care of. And then my brain starts to spiral. So I think that's how it's shifted for me. I do still like worry and fear about the health and safety of my kids is a huge fear. I think most parents would probably connect with that idea. But for me, it's more the things that are out of my control. So Elizabeth, I want to ask you like, <laughs> yeah, what are, how would you, okay, it's 3am and I wake up with one of these fears. I don't even want to call them irrational. Like, is anything irrational anymore? I, I kind of don't think so, but good question. How do yeah. I coach myself as a parent to just be like, everyone's safe? Like you're okay. What do I do? That is such a great question. And I will just admit too, that I personally struggle with my own anxiety. So I, even though I may know all the scientific good techniques and coping skills, I also still struggle with it and have to remind myself of things that I know and tell people to do. Right. But yeah, I think if, if those are rational fears, if you want to call them that, I mean, in a sense, what is an irrational fear? It's something that isn't an immediate actual threat, right? And anxiety is just your body having an alarm system going off, thinking there's a perceived threat, right? So if you're waking up in the middle of the night, unless you legit have seen somebody on like your ring camera <laughs> or you're hearing noises in the house, it's highly unlikely that it's an actual threat. But, you know, so some of it is just rationalizing with yourself and, you know, reminding yourself, you know, where am I? I'm in my bed. You know, if my partner's next to me, he's there, my kids, you know, if you need to go check on your kids, I think that's okay to an extent, as long as it's, as it's not becoming a, you know, I need to check on them several times every night, right. That becomes a little more maybe of a problem. Cause you probably don't want to do that every night, all night. But I think just, you know, sh you know, sharing with yourself where, where am I, I am safe reminding yourself of those maybe affirmation statements too can be really helpful. At least that I've used them before of just reminding myself, like, it's okay. I can't control everything, but I can control where I am right now, what I'm going to think of and what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to sleep. I need to go back to sleep. And if it's really a, a worry or a fear, jot it down. And then you can remember about it in the morning. If you want to like, look into that fear a little bit more. Right. I love but that. I think, yeah. I think you're, I think so many moms and parents and human beings are struggling with anxiety more than ever these days. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just so hard. It's a difficult world. Yeah, totally. And I, I love that idea of like just things, mantras and things to, to say to myself in those moments. Um, and I, I do know I experience more of those intrusive thoughts, again, when I'm not caring for myself physically, yeah. like I should be, I'm not getting the fresh air. I'm not moving my body. I'm not getting enough sleep. I, I think as moms, it's funny. I was just doing a little um, work yesterday and a little research on mom sleep and <laughs> mom sleep, right? That's like such a laughable, yeah. <laughs> putting those two words together. I have a dish towel that says mom sleep. It's like normal sleep, but without the sleep. <laughs> Like, seriously so accurate, <laughs> but like, but we also need to sometimes kick ourselves in the pants, myself included, because last night I was up on Instagram at 10. Why? Totally. 
Yeah. Like I know that's right. not going to set myself, my mental health and space up for success the next day. Mm-hmm. I should have just con- gotten into bed at nine and turned off my devices. So I think again, what can we control and yeah, how can we help ourselves be thrive as much as we can and, and get as much control as we can? Yeah. I like that idea too. And I, and I think that reminded me also, it's not even a moment of like, you know, what maybe you could do better, but not even to feel bad that that's what you did, because we're always going to be learning and changing and different things are going to come up that spark maybe different fears or anxiety. And there is some, something to wanting to just check out. Right. And that's always the question of like, okay, why do I want to check out? Why do I want to mindlessly scroll Instagram? What is that what does that give me? What am I feeling when I'm doing that? And if you don't mind doing that, that's great. And if you're like, eh, I don't want to do that as much anymore. How could you shift that into maybe more of a, you know, maybe you write down five things you're really thankful for before you go to bed or whatever it is to just kind of reset your mind. But you're right. It takes discipline and intention and man, we're just tired by that time of the night. So I feel you. (laughs) Totally. It's hard to be disciplined at 10. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. So hard. (laughs) Um, well, I would love to hear too, a little bit more about, you said you're into fitness and health, and I believe you work with moms to be and moms who have become. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've been a fitness instructor at a local studio for the last six years, and that was a catalyst for my career change as well. In that, I I really love teaching adults, and our clientele is mostly women, a lot of moms and moms to be, and so I've always been just interested in women in fitness and had a passion for leading rooms of women moving their bodies and connecting with exercise in a positive way, not for how it makes them look, but how it makes them feel. And um, it was actually after the birth of my first son, I would say during my first pregnancy, I was active, but I was careful. So I would walk. I did some Pilates, um, you know, things like that. And I did, I'm a bar instructor. So I did bar. And while I was strong, I think I could have been doing a little bit more. Like I could have lifted heavier weights to be totally honest, but I didn't know I was supposed to. And I didn't know that was a good idea. So I kind of just went on my merry way and did light things. And then when my first son was, and then when my first son was born, I, got back into the hard stuff way too fast. And I gave myself pelvic organ prolapse because I was running. I was carrying him up the stairs. I was jumping. I was doing all these things that I didn't build my foundation properly to do. And my body suffered. So I decided I want to learn more. I feel like as a group fitness instructor, I was given a very small playbook of here's how to support pregnant women and postpartum women, but I wanted more. So I went out and I um, studied and did a certification in pre-pregnancy and postpartum. It's called being a corrective exercise specialist. And I really learned the nitty gritty of what our bodies really can handle in pregnancy and what they can and should be handling in the, on the other side. Mm. So then it was kind of fun because with my second pregnancy, I did more 
I lifted heavier weights. I was so strong. It was so fun. I remember people would see me at my school's gym and they'd be like, are you supposed to be doing that? I'm like, you bet I am. Like I was made to do this. So, and then when I had him, I did the reverse. I was more patient. Mm. I followed all of this education that I had gained and I felt so good. I didn't get injured and I came back in a super strategic and patient way. And I was like, more women need to know that this is how, how to do it. Um, and of course, everyone's pregnancy and postpartum journey is different. Everyone's delivery is different. So I really wanted to be able to tailor make people's fitness programs to what their body needs. And just recently, I'd been using this, um, all my education in my studio setting, doing workshops of moms and stuff. And I just decided I want to work one-on-one with women. I think there's, you probably know, there's so much power in um, really being able to personalize something and tailor make it and really become a individual coach for someone. So that's what I'm currently in the process of putting together is a postpartum program that utilizes all the protocols that I used on my own body, but it, it's also totally customizable to women in different stages of motherhood. And then the pregnancy piece as well, that's going to be my next step. I'm going to build that program second. Um, but right now I do work one-on-one with women if they just want to sit down and chat virtually or in person for 30 minutes and ask questions about fitness and moving and, you know, kind of I'm using air quotes, no one can see me, but what they should be doing to help them in labor and delivery and beyond. So that's where I'm at right now, career-wise, and it's been super fun to build. That's so neat. It's fun to watch you share that because I can tell that you light up, like, you know, and it's not that being a teacher before didn't light you up at one time, but your that transition from that and transition into motherhood and now into this, you know, is bringing you fulfillment in a way that maybe what it wasn't before. And you're kind of finding your area of, you know, something that you wish you would have had when you were pregnant before. Right. Exactly. And that's what led me into teaching high school to begin with was I wanted to be, I wanted to be a role model for teenage girls, honestly. Um, And I wanted to help them feel empowered in their bodies. And when I was fresh out of college, that felt like such an easy connection to make. I felt like I was just in high school. (laughs) I'm like, I know exactly what you want to hear. I know you don't want to sweat in class, but here's the deal. We're going to do, you know, like I could really get on their level. Mm -hmm. And now I'm excited to take this next season of my life as a mom with little kids. Now it's like, I'm seeing the challenges. It's not just the physical challenges. It's like, how the heck am I going to fit in a 30 minute workout today with these little people, you know? And so that's a big piece of what I do too, is just helping women to figure out where they fit in their own life to meet their physical needs through exercise. So yeah, it's been really fun to build. Yeah. And I like that you said too, that, you know, it's very, um, you know, every season is going to be different with how much time you have. And I know even for me, I've seen that. And right now myself, I'm like in a season of just really busy with work stuff. And then I want to be with my kids who maybe don't want to, you know, you know, go on a walk every day with me, whereas I would love that. I would love to go on one every day. So it's interesting just to hear you know, that every mom has a different part in their season of, or different part in their journey that Sometimes you can work out more. Sometimes that's more of a focus. Sometimes it's not. 
just interesting. And so many things count too. I think there's just this overarching um, message that we're fed as women that like this amount of minutes counts. Mm. You have to put on a sports bra for it to count. You have to be wearing gym shoes for it to count. And it's like, we got to do exercise snacks through the day, people. Otherwise, we're not going to get it done. If you are waiting for a full hour to yourself with everything aligned, it never happens. It's never going to happen. And I remember I used to be an early morning work router. Like my alarm would go off at 5 a.m. This was pre-kid life. And when I first became a mom, I really missed that. But there was no way like early morning is like a crazy time or you are getting the sleep that you desperately need. And I remember just like complaining to my mom about it. And she was like, Sarah, you have your whole life. Yeah. to go back to that early morning routine. Once your kids are a little older, she's like, just make a change for the season. And I was like, wow, you are so wise. Like yes. it, we just, we have to be malleable. We have to be willing to pivot, but we also have to take care of ourselves. So That's it's right. finding that balance of being gentle, but pushing people where they need to be pushed. Yeah. Comes back to that discipline thing again. It's so hard. It's <laughs> <laughs> so hard. Yeah. Um, well, any practical tools that you would like to share with our listeners of just either, you know, things that you found helpful in the transition to different, how many kids you have, or even if it's a fitness idea, anything that would be helpful? Sure. I have a few, some are, some are, um, maybe more of along the lines of mantras and then Mm, just some tangible things that help me. So, um, one of my motherhood mantras is it won't last forever. And that applies to both the really hard times and the really incredible moments watching your baby learn something for the first time. Oh, I love that. And so that's something I keep in the back of my mind, both to keep me present, but also to keep me, give myself like a, a big deep breath and say, this probably won't be this huge of an issue tomorrow or next month. So just hang in there, kind of, kind of advice. And then back to this idea of quality over quantity is something I struggled with. I think one thing that made my transition from one to two kids hard that I touched on earlier was I felt like I didn't have enough of myself to give and I couldn't be everything to everyone. And I hated that. But what I've learned is these pockets of time that I have for people, whether it's my husband or the baby or the toddler, or even my dogs, put, I put my phone away and I say for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to read this book to my toddler and ask him questions about it and be super engaged. And then after that 10 minutes is up, I might have to go empty the dishwasher. Like that's just life. I don't have to give him a full hour here and now, you know, when I'm talking to my husband at the end of the day, when the kids are in bed, close the laptop and like, we don't need a date night. That's super extravagant. We just need 10 minutes of connection. So 10 minutes is like my little, um, thing I keep in my back pocket of where can I connect with someone in my life for 10 minutes, distraction free. And that feels so much better than an hour of me being kind of there and kind of not. Um, and then the last one is really to lean on people in that close proximity. And I know not everyone has their nearby village, but it's worth building. Um, The families in our community, we help each other parent, you know, we drop our kids off for a quick play date when someone just needs a half hour. 
we help each other pick their kids up from daycare. You know, someone just had a baby next door to us. So we're bringing them a meal. So I just think really opening your eyes to the people right around you can really change your experience in motherhood. If you have some support, that's just a couple doors away. Um, that has really changed my experience. And it's something that I just wish everyone had. And I think we can all find it to some extent. You might have to be creative and you might have to put yourself out there. I did have to put myself out there to, to, you know, make some mom friends nearby, but it's really made such a difference for me. Hmm. Those are all absolutely amazing. And I'm going to be like rewriting all of these down and be like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sarah said this. Yes. You're so funny. <laughs> I love that. I mean, really, I think every single one of them, the whole time you were speaking, I was like, oh yeah, yes, yes. I agree. Yes. Yes. So I, I think those are going to be really helpful mantras that our listeners can hear and take to heart. And I like what you said at the end too, you're right. It does take some intention to put yourself out there. If you want that village, if you want that community, be the person to go start that. You don't have to sit around and wait because honestly, it might not ever happen. You really have to, if you want it, go get it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sarah, this has been a really great conversation. I have just loved getting to know you more personally and hearing your story. Where can listeners find more of you? Same, Elizabeth. This has been so fun. My first podcast and I, I feel honored. You did awesome. <laughs> I feel honored to be just part of this. Honestly, it's an online community. Like, where are you located again? I'm in Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. I could kind of tell by your accent. Um, I know. Oh, and so will we, will we ever meet in real life? Like I hope we do, but it's just so fun that the online space has brought us together. I just feel so honored to be part of your show. Um, people listening can find me on Instagram. My handle is at when moms thrive. That's the name of my fitness business. So I'm over there posting the shenanigans of my two boys. And I mean, my feed is, it's messy, man. It's real. Um, I keep it real. Nothing is, you know, crafted over there. I just, I talk about fitness and I talk about motherhood and the hard stuff. So I hope people meet me over there and yeah. Awesome. I'll make sure to include that in the show notes here too. Um, again, if you got a lot out of our conversation today, I just encourage all of you to rate and review this podcast. It really would mean the world to me so that more moms can have access to this podcast and listen and find it. Thanks again. And until next time, go experience motherhood. <laughs>